Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. Are you a small business owner who thinks they pay too much in taxes? We can help. Give us a call or book a meeting by clicking the link in the show notes to book a free financial consultation so you can have peace of mind about your financial future. We're also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. If you're a business leader challenged with talent attraction, employee engagement, or supporting mental health, we can help. Use your benefits package as the key to unlock your workforce. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, back at it again on Podcast Friday with my co-host, Al McDonald. Al, how has your week gone? Always good, Robin, and uh, always a great opportunity to wrap it up with Podcast Friday and talk to a lot of great people, and today has been no exception. And again, looking forward to our guest today. We've already let them know that they're batting cleanup today. They've got big shoes to fill, but I'm looking forward to uh, this conversation. I think it's going to be great. Well, I've said it many times on the podcast, and if people have listened before, they're going to get tired of me saying this, but I'm always grateful to the show because inevitably we get great introductions from great people to other great people, and today is no exception, and I'm going to give someone a shout out at the end of this intro. But joining us today is Nora Jenkins Townsend. Nora is the founder of Bright and Early, a consultancy of forward-thinking HR experts on a mission to craft the world's best work. Places. Bright and Early has helped organizations like Mozilla, Missouri, and Change.org design inclusive, people first organizations. Nora is also a frequent speaker and writer on the topic of workplace design and serves as co editor of Early Magazine, a digital publication exploring the future of work and its corresponding bi weekly newsletter. Welcome to the podcast, Nora. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. And a big thank you to our mutual friend, Mallory Green, for making the introduction. And Mallory was on the podcast not that long ago, and we just had such great conversation. We connected as people, and hence how we met. So I appreciate the introduction. Yeah, Mallory's so wonderful. I had the opportunity to work with her in kind of a mutual past life when we were both at Wealth Simple, and she is an amazing force to be reckoned with. I'm really excited to see what she's doing and what she'll do next. I'm so glad we're connected now because I've seen, you know, she was on stage with the CEO of Well Simple and just talking about her story and her journey. And I'm just, I feel like grab your popcorn, just watch where she goes because she is on fire. She's just uh, lighting it up out there. So, so exciting to see. I thought with you, we'd start at the very beginning and just tell us a little bit about your firm, who you are, what you're doing, that sort of thing. And then we'll dive a little bit deeper into, you know, what your actual story is. Yeah, of course. So, Bright and Early is a forward-thinking HR consultancy, meaning that we work with companies that want to approach their people experience a little bit differently. So whether that's turning it away from sort of the typical corporate experience or incorporating something like nonviolent communication or inclusive workplace practices or experimenting with different organizational design principles, which is a, a lot of fancy ways to say finding better, more effective ways to work that work for everyone. 
So we do that through helping them build different processes. So we might help them build a really great hiring process, a really great employee onboarding process, help them design how people move up and through the organization, how they give each other feedback, how performance is managed, how people are paid, and just making sure all of those systems are clear, understandable, customized around their values, and designed for everyone. You know, Nora, one of the things, and I don't know if I mentioned this to you in our first call, but over, it was probably on one of our drives, me and Al, or over coffee as we sit in the office, because my office is just outside where the coffee room is, and Al had said something that I just was 100% I agreed with, and I've chatted with other HR professionals just to get their take. But one of the things that he had said to me was, if I could go back in time, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But if you can go back in time when we're growing our company and we're still growing and, and growing quite aggressively, he had said, the one thing I wish we had done sooner was bring in HR. Mm-hmm. And I'd love just to hear about your commentary and your experience on that, you know, working with other firms and other founders and, and entrepreneurs. Yeah, absolutely. So about 80% of our clients historically have been tech startups, and I get a disproportionate amount of second-time founders. And the reason for that is often startups won't bring in HR or someone in that space until they're about 40 or 50 people. And by then they have a lot of people debt, whether it's diversity debt, because that's a topic they haven't tackled yet, or it's people kind of about to riot and and jump ship if they don't get some kind of plan for their career soon, or they're in some other tight spot like that. But I do get a lot of second time founders who share that same sentiment of, you know, hey, I did this once before, and this is the one thing I do differently. I have five people now, and I'm thinking of all of this now. I am putting my values in place. I know what kind of culture and environment that I want to build, and I'm starting the structure early. So on that note, and you referenced five employees, is there a rule of thumb about when you start that? Like, when is too early? To me, I'm thinking five. Would I think about it? Not necessarily. But like, when do you know, hey, this is the time where I need to talk to someone like Nora, like other HR professionals, and get them involved to help us grow properly? Yeah, absolutely. So it goes sort of in three stages. When you're quite early on, say five people or less, you don't need a huge performance management system or vast career levels that look like Amazons or something like that. You don't have like a level 1.2 engineer on your team. But the things that you want to start thinking about at that stage are really What's your vision for the employee experience that you want to have there? So entrepreneurs are really great at having a grand vision for the product and kind of the look and feel there and what maybe the customer experience is going to look like. But you need to remember that your employees actually are your first customers. So if they're not bought in, if they're not happy, if they're not excited, if they're not motivated and empowered, you're not going to reach that product or customer vision either. So you need to have an idea of that in your mind first. And I really think it's an exciting opportunity as well to design the kind of work experience that you want. So start thinking about those things. And that could manifest in something like company values or just sort of a vibe or vision that you want to stick with. And then everything stems out from there. So you want to get that down first. And then also thinking about, you know, there are certain compliance things. People think that that can be boring, but it can be exciting. Just getting, you know, your basics covered in terms of legal policies, like covering off how you're going to handle time off, having a policy in place for harassment or any other kind of legal coverage, because 
you don't need to be big for something like that to happen and you want something to refer back to. So I would cover yourself with those two quick things first and also start to think about what's your employee proposition for when you're hiring as well because you're going to be hiring up from there. So what's in it for them? What do you want to build towards? So a lot of it is just vision and basics. Then when you start to get to your 20s or 30s, then you start to have new hires coming in saying, hey, where's my growth plan? Where's my quarterly or annual check-in? What's the difference between intermediate and senior? What are our pay bands? And I get a lot of founders saying, hey, we were 10 people around a table a few months ago. Nobody was asking me that. It sounds ridiculous. But that's just what is needed at that point. So there's a certain point where a lack of process will give you speed and then a certain point where a lack of process will slow you down. So that inflection point for most is about 25 or 30 staff. I love some of those things you shared. And one thing you said that I hadn't heard before was use the word debt mm -hmm. in terms of maybe some of the shortfalls and that you've already made some mistakes. So I found that interesting. You mentioned compliance too. And it's interesting that you mentioned that because in our particular field, and it's not just people, we're in the financial services industry. There is tons of compliance. It's interesting you said a lot of people resent it or don't like it. I love it because it keeps me out of trouble. Yeah. And all I have to do is follow some simple rules. And if I do that, I keep my nose clean and it keeps me in business. So I cued into that when you said that because I'm kind of a big fan myself. Yeah. And it's not just about protecting employers either. Sometimes you talk to someone, whether it's a founder or an employee at an early stage company, it could be a startup, it could be outside of tech. And they think things like, oh, you know, no, I don't like compliance and all of these things written down. You know, it seems like a big company thing. And then you think, okay, so you don't want you know, protections in place for if something happens to you health-wise or something terrible happens to you socially or you're harassed. Like most of these things are actually put in place for the protection of employees and are nice to have there. Or they'll think things like, oh, I don't want to have a manager that's too corporate or something like that. I think, oh, you don't want somebody who is kind of an in charge of making sure that you're growing and developing and checking in with you. So there's a few kind of examples like that where you can reframe stodgy ideas and maybe give them a bit of a redesign, make sure that they're actually working for people. But I don't think having nothing in place is really the trend anymore. Definitely. Nora, you've talked a little bit about, you know, the company and what the company does. Tell us a little bit about Nora. How'd you get into this path? What led you to pursue what you're doing? What's the passion? Absolutely. So I have one of a few different classic startup entry stories. So I actually didn't have the opportunity to go to university and tech is one of those places, or at least the earlier days of tech. I hope it's still like this. I try to keep it like this, where it's not about where you have a degree from or where you worked before or anything like that. It's really just about can you come in and do an amazing job, find things to be helpful with, and you will move up quickly. It's not, oh, you have to spend two or three years in this associate role and then associate manager role and you have to have this specific background. They just care that you can show up and do it. I mean, tech has always had some inclusion problems, but that is one area that I think that they were always really superior at and really got a lot of amazing, motivated people to join from that. So I got into tech through those avenues. Really, it was the best place for me. And 
Yeah, I worked at a number of different Canadian tech kind of success stories. I spent some time at FreshBooks, spent some time at Wealthsimple, and just kind of moved up the ranks through finding impactful things to do and thinking of cooler and better and faster ways for us to get those things done, usually in the people space or the operations side of the business. And one thing that I noticed was that a lot of companies or founders are reaching out saying, like what you were saying before, when should we get started on this? We're 30 and people are asking us about this. And I saw a gap out there because I really do think that leaders should be thinking about people things a lot earlier, but there's just not five days of work to do in a week for a strategic people leader at a 10 person company, right? But then there are certain things you don't want to leave to chance, like designing a really great compensation system or working through what those values are. So I jumped to start the firm as sort of a solo fractional HR support venture aimed at startups specifically. Nobody was really doing that at the time. There were fractional HR executives and there were definitely HR consulting firms, but nobody really understood the specific space that startups were operating in at the pace that they were going at and the culture that they had. So it started as a solo venture and then kind of grew from there. We are 12 people now practicing across, really across the globe, a number of clients in Canada and in the US, and then some that are fully remote entirely as well. And yeah, I just have an amazing team as well. I've grown the business to be really more in a management position now and make sure that they had their setup for success and that they're all kind of working from the central bright and early way of doing HR. And then, you know, we're taking over the world from there. Love it. Talk about, if you can, what are your thoughts around what makes a really good workplace or maybe the opposite, you know, not such a good workplace? So I actually like to think about HR or people operations or whatever you want to call it. I don't mind. I think of it actually as a design job. And I think a great employee experience or a great workplace is thoughtfully designed. So if you're familiar with the process of design thinking, so if you're in tech, we can borrow that from our product designers or anyone else who uses that kind of system where we can think, okay, who is the end user or we're the different personas and stakeholders that are going to use this process. What are the key points in it where things are typically difficult or easy? How are they feeling? How would we like them to feel? And really work backwards from there. So even something like an onboarding program, for example, can reflect that thoughtful design. One example is we built a onboarding program for Missouri. So they're a D2C jewelry company and they had people joining from all different industries. So some from fashion, some from tech, some from industrial design. And they were growing so quickly that they weren't really understanding what other departments did. So what we did is kind of figure out that that was the main pain point of why onboarding wasn't working. And we designed sort of a month in the life of a piece of their jewelry. So everybody who joined the company was able to go through sort of that ideation of, you know, what are we building? What pieces are we building for our customer and why? They were able to go to the 3D printing of the pieces being tested out, spend some time in the warehouse, spend some time in retail and customer success. So really just thinking like, what is the specific problem here? There's so many examples on this, but I think a great workplace really is thoughtfully designed. Just thinking about who is this for? What are we trying to accomplish? And if you have a number of processes like that that spring out from those core values, 
then you can have something really unique. At the center, I also think that a great place to work is a great place to work for everyone as well. You want to be thinking about inclusion at every step, even in the interview process as well. And there's a lot of giveaways during some companies' interview processes or in their job descriptions about you know how inclusive they might be or how flexible they might be or how much they might see you and design for you as a person. I've never heard anyone in 166 episodes now I've heard people talk about growing teams or growing a workplace or growing a company. I've never heard anyone talk about designing a team or designing a firm. So that's very unique. I also wanted to go back a little bit, Nora. You had said you didn't have the opportunity to go to university. And when we were hiring in the past, I'll admit that we kind of always looked at resumes. Oh, where did you go to university, right? That's a prerequisite because that was how it was When I came into the business, you know, in the broker role, I was working for a large insurance company. And I always question that because if I'm being honest, I scraped my way through university, barely made it. And then I think went on to create something really successful. And I was good at this entrepreneurship side. And as we grow the company, more recently, I've kind of thrown that idea out the window saying, no, you don't need to have that. If you have it, okay, fine. But we've got to find the right people because I have so many examples of people with no experience in the industry, and maybe they didn't have everything on paper, but they've created and built and become very, very successful. To someone like us who are growing a company, what would your advice be in terms of finding those people? Because you've grown a team as well. So what are the attributes? How are you you know, looking and saying, okay, this is the person I want to find and add to the team because I know they're going to be, and kind of throw out traditional rules. I'd love to hear just your take on that. Yeah, absolutely. So again, this all comes back to these core values that you've made hopefully early in the company. Like what is the DNA of this company? And that translates into everything and all of the processes that you design. So when it comes to hiring, I can give you sort of some of my own examples here. And I don't think that we should throw education out the window. There are definitely certain professions where it's absolutely necessary. You know, maybe you're a medical doctor. We want those folks trained in a uniform way, but it's one piece of information, but we do often encourage or sort of poke at our clients of, you know, is that really needed for this position? If someone was really amazing, would you care? And if they say no, we're not going to put it there because a number of people are going to not apply. But back to the design side. So I want people from my own team, for example, who are out of the box HR thinkers who are frustrated with the normal way that things are done, but that are also really doers. So they're not just going to complain like, hey, I don't like the way things are, but they're going to come back and say, hey, here are five ways that it could be and let's experiment with it. So I design my interview process around that as well. I'll specifically ask them, what are their you know, unpopular opinions in the space? What's the time that they pushed back against a CEO that they worked with and why? And what program have they designed that they're the most proud of? And as we get later into the process, we do also have a sort of like semi-case study. We actually designed it to be sort of like a fun gamified online quiz. We give them a fake company to work with and have them answer a few questions about how they would approach things. And that gives us a good idea from that. But we do pay for the time for that as well, which is something I recommend. But you can have a lot of fun with the hiring process that way. And you can think outside the box. For another example, we also had a travel tech client who was having trouble hiring because they were B2B. Nobody had their product, like nobody had their app 
on their phone in their pocket and folks just hadn't heard of them. So we thought, why not really lean into travel and hire people that love to travel, design some benefits and perks specifically around travel. And while we're still going to post on, you know, LinkedIn and all the startup job boards, why don't we do some op-eds on popular travel blogs about how I work a nine to five and still travel by working at this company with amazing benefits. So really just kind of customizing and designing around our goals and who we want to attract can be really powerful. So just go back to the drawing board on everything. And we want to get from point A to point B and throw away the playbook. Let's design it. Something that you said that makes me very, very happy. A lot of people call them values. We'll call them guiding principles. And a couple of years ago, we worked really, really hard on what we represent and exactly what you said. What's the DNA of the company? Now, I will admit, when we first launched the company back in 2005, we did the exercise, the mission, vision, values. And then we stuck it up on the wall and I don't think anybody ever looked at it. I don't think we lived it. We weren't going against it, but I don't think we had reminders. And I think we've done a much better job in recent times, especially with new hires. It's everywhere you go in the office. It's part of the scorecards that we do, you know, quarterly. Mm -hmm. So everyone's reminded. We will call out people in a good way in meetings like, oh, you exemplified this, uh, you know, being accountable or whatever it happens to be. So I was very glad to hear that. Yeah, you can really bake it into everything. So say you have your values. I mean, you'll design your interview questions around it. When you're designing your career paths and frameworks, when somebody's moving from, you know, junior to intermediate to senior, you can bake in the expression of those behaviors as part of what it takes to move up. When you're doing your evaluations or check-ins or however you handle performance, those can be in there. So for example, it was really important to us to make and be involved in community. So either internal community, so folks contributing to bright and early itself. So our knowledge base, helping peers, etc., but also externally. So we have the Bright and Early Better Workplaces Fund where we donate a percentage of our revenue to a fund made up of different charities that support underrepresented folks in the workplace. And we wanted to bake that into how we evaluated ourselves as a group and as individuals. So when people are doing peer reviews, for example, they're asked, okay, how much does this person contribute to community internally and externally? You can bake those things into compensation as well, right? Like what are the behaviors you want to reward? And, you know, you design bonus systems or advancement systems based on that. So there's a lot you can do with values beyond put them on the the wall. So I'm glad you've started to integrate those at your own office. Absolutely. And I love these conversations because, again, I know other people are listening, but I'm just taking it in as we're running our organization. And maybe you don't want to give away every you know little secret you have. And I totally understand that. But is there anything else you're doing at Bright and Early that make that a great place to work? Because it really seems that you've kind of got an edge here and you know what you're doing. So anything you could share, I would be very grateful because, again, any little clue that we can take back to our team is always very useful. Awesome. Yeah. So first off, we're all about open sourcing. So as you mentioned earlier, I co-edit earlymagazine.com and we publish our guides to how Bright and Early does absolutely everything. It's my view that we want to share our knowledge with everyone. We want everywhere to be a great place to work, whether you work with us or not. So you can always access those and figure out how to build a values aligned pay system step by step. But One unique thing that we've come up with on our own team that I really like, that we've rolled out to a few clients as well, 
And it's something we call out of tens. And we've written about this as well. So when we have our weekly team meeting where everyone gets together, the first thing that we do is out of tens. So we plug this in, like we write it down, and then we also share it out loud. So we rate two things out of 10. One is our capacity, meaning 10 is like, I have way, way, way too much to do and can't do anything else. And zero is like nothing. So say I'm at, you know, a six or a seven capacity, that's probably going to be pretty normal. But the second one is, how are you personally? So a 10 is, you know, everything in my life is perfect and amazing. And I'm showing up with sunshines and rainbows and a clear head. And zero is like, I'm deceased. I'm calling Mallory Green. No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So the reason that we do that is not because we want to pry and people need to tell us exactly what's going on in their life, although they're free to. It's just for context. I think that even the most organized and best at their jobs people, they have ups and downs in days, weeks, life things. And you don't need to tell me why, but if you're at a six for a week, that gives me some really great context on how you might be showing up at work. And also if you know, you're know you at a six personally and a 10 capacity wise, then we know to come in and say, okay, how can we support you? How can we take some things from your plate? So it helps us from a functional standpoint in terms of resourcing and re-resourcing things and not burning people out. But it also creates a sense of psychological safety where we're saying, hey, it's okay to feel like a nine one week and a six the next. And we support that. Let's just work around it. That's the reality. And I think people are fluctuating like that at any workplace anywhere. But I think having an open conversation about it can be really powerful and help us support avoiding burnout and building that psychological safety. And I don't know if you poured over all of these studies on high-performing teams in the past 10 years, but most of the answers tend to point to psychological safety. Makes sense. You reminded me of another conversation we had, again, with a podcast guest. And similar to your kind of 1 to 10, their approach was on their desk. They had a little card. I can't remember the exact details, but it was red, green, or maybe yellow, maybe one of three basically how you were feeling that day, you put it down on your desk so that if someone came in, it's kind of like, oh, okay, it's red. I know I've still got to talk to you, but I know maybe you're not feeling in the right headspace as maybe a green day. Yeah, that helps us have empathy for each other as well, right? Maybe I have an interaction with you and I thought, you know, hey, Al was a little short with me today. He must be mad at me or I don't know him very well. So maybe he's kind of a jerk, right? But no, if we're regularly doing out of tens and Al's saying, hey, I'm kind of out of six this week. I have some stressful things going on at home and there's conversations about that and that's a regular thing, then our relationship is going to be very different. It's a really good idea. Nora, tell me how you measure your personal success. Hmm. A few different factors. I mean, I measure my success by how happy my team is, how happy our clients are, and how innovative we're being. I think those are really the main things. So, of course, we want happy clients where, you know, their employees are thriving, they're loving the work that they're doing with us, they're feeling like work is getting faster, and there's more psychological safety on the team, and they're operating the workplace that they always dreamed of. And people get really attached to the consultant on my team that they work with often, because they're all so great. And I just get the nicest notes praising them. And that's really rewarding. And 
it's really rewarding just to work with my team and see them grow and see their confidence grow and see the cool things that they come up with that I quite literally don't know how to do and have never done in my life and probably couldn't do. And just letting them shine beyond me in that way because they're all brilliant and just seeing them grow is amazing. But then, you know, I'm somebody that doesn't like to be stagnant as well. I'm always thinking of what's new and what's next. So I get really invigorated by conversations about how are we going to approach something differently. And I let some of that run a bit with early magazine too, because if there's a type of project or research that I'm interested in that we haven't had the opportunity to work on with one of our partner companies, then I can write about it there and explore it there as well. So my leadership style really is more about pushing people towards a more visionary future. And then I have this amazing team of people who figure out how to actually do it. That is a great answer and some great insight that you've got in there. How are we set up for time here, Robin? Oh, we're set up quite well. I was hoping we were going to get to your signature question at some point. Okay. I was wondering if we wanted to dive into anything else or if we wanted to go to that. Well, you know, I think we already have an answer. Just having this conversation with Nora, I'm already hearing answers to this question, but I'm curious for you to answer because it is a philosophical question, Nora, and you might have a completely different answer. But I'm already hearing things about, you know, because the question is about planting seeds for down the road and, and legacy. And so I'm already hearing some of that answer. But I would love for Al to run through the question with you and see if maybe there's something else that you're planning on. Perfect. Well, let's go then. So the question is this, Nora. A society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting? Yeah, absolutely. So as humans, as a species, no matter what work looks like, we're always going to need to and have to collaborate and find new ways to do that, that are both effective and include everyone. And, you know, there's going to be lots of work to do in this world, whether it's in the office or out there saving it in different ways. And I want to find ways for us to collaborate harmoniously and find new ways to problem solve together because we're always going to have to do it. And I appreciate you sharing that. It sounds like I heard that in your previous answer too. You used the word collaboration and it sounds like mm. that's something that's important to you and that you've been able to successfully pull off at your company there, at your business. That's great. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Well, once again, a big thank you to our friend, our mutual friend, Mallory, for this introduction, because I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for joining us today, Nora, and thank you for sharing your journey. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at Bright and Early? So you can visit us at brightandearly.ca and also follow along with earlymagazine.com. I also really encourage folks to sign up to our newsletter. It's really fun, not boring at all. We share a lot of hot tips and takes and links and yeah, we try and have fun with it. And that comes out every other Friday. So definitely sign up for that. There is space to do so on both brightandearly.ca and earlymagazine.com. Okay, awesome. Well, that does it for today's episode. We really enjoyed this conversation. As always, we hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. And as we saw today, success leaves clues, my friends. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much.